Well, it's good to be back with you this morning. Uh, I've been away hunting in Nebraska, had a good time, very successful hunt. And uh, I was just wondering, did anything happen this past week while I was gone? Any, any news? Any? Yeah, sure. Well, right before the election, everyone was ready for it to be over, right? You know, just tired of talking about all this uh, stuff, and we could move on and talk about something else finally. But that's not really working out for us, is it? Well, we're hearing about it over and over and over, and it's dragging on and on. So on Thursday, I, I rerouted my thoughts, being fairly close to the election. I thought, well, this would be a time when I need to break from my regular study and, and do something uh, pertaining to the current events, uh, especially this election, and how can we think through it and, and have the right perspective on it. And I decided to preach on this particular Psalm 146 to help us gain that perspective in light of the election. And now I'm not so sure it was a good idea because now I'm tired of thinking about it and talking about it. And, but we're going to have to press on and think and talk about it a little bit more, or at least I'm going to talk about it, and hopefully you'll think about it. So we'll press on. Now Psalm 146 is one of the obviously final five psalms of the Psalter. And all of those psalms begin with hallelujah. Uh, that's the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. And each one, you know, at the, at the end of the Psalter, kind of a crescendo of praise to the Lord. And Psalm 146 is no different. So uh, with that little introduction, let us hear God's word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Who keeps faith forever? Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Well, obviously the reaction to this election has been strong and varied. You've got weeping on one hand from, from one segment to gloating uh, in the other segment. You've got anger and fear uh, all the way over to vindication, feelings of vindication. And no matter where you stand on the spectrum of, of emotion and reaction, Psalm 146 is a perspective adjuster. It's a, a tonic, if you will, against making politics your religion, which I fear many people today have done. People who are placing all their hope, uh, all, all their their desires for the future on a candidate. This psalm speaks to that universal human temptation to look to human messiahs for deliverance. Verse 3 clearly points to that temptation that we have when it says, it warns us, 
Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. He warns us, he commands us actually, to not do this because that is our tendency, to put our trust in princes, in a son of man or a fellow human. Now, what are we looking for from these human messiahs that we lift up and and, uh, hope will save us? Salvation, says verse 3. The word means deliverance or help or safety, victory. Well, deliverance from what? Well, verses 7 through 10 kind of shed light on the human concerns. There's concerns about justice, about provisions, freedom, health, prosperity, and security. Of course, when you think about what those words mean, that's a lot of the talking points of this election. Justice, issues of justice. You know, what about the immigrants, uh, racism, uh, systemic uh, injustices in our society? These were things that were talked about a lot in these campaigns. And then you've got the provision. Uh, people worried about jobs, about making ends meet, and you know, getting enough money, and lower taxes. And these are talking points. And then there's freedom. People want to be free. Uh, people worried about losing freedoms. And then, of course, health, the health care issue was a big talking point. Uh, the economy, uh, crime, you know, the, the idea of putting the wicked behind bars. These are all things that we as humans are concerned with during this election on both sides, whoever we might be. And so you see that reflected, and, and the psalmist is saying, don't look to a, a human to solve these problems, but yet time and time again, that's what we exactly what we do. I think it's interesting that the psalmist uses the word princes. Don't put your trust in princes. Why does he, why does he use that term? I don't know that I can provide a, a definitive answer to that. Uh, I have an opinion, which I'm going to share with you. Uh, why did he not say, put your trust in a king? Why did he say, don't put your trust in princes? Well, I may be reading too much into it, but a king would be already in in power, ruling. A prince is uh, a future king, uh, someone who is in line for the throne, uh, a potential game changer, someone who can rise up and come to power and who will do better things. It made me think of Absalom, King David's son, who actually turned on King David and led a revolt. One of Absalom's uh, ploys to come to power was to go where people were facing injustice and to go around saying, well, if I were the king, I would do this and that and the other. And he rallied people around him using this tactic. People were going, yes, Absalom, he's the one that's going to enact change. And people have a tendency to place hope in a regime change. Well, when Prince Charming takes over, He's the one who's going to lead us to prosperity. He will bring change. He will give us hope. In the last three presidents that we've elected, Clinton, Bush, and Obama, and now President-elect Trump, have all run and won as change candidates in their initial bid for the White House. That's interesting. The second time they ran, they, of course, were carrying the momentum from their first term, all three of the presidents. But it just gives you a picture uh, that people have, for a long time now, been generally negative about the direction of our country, 
and we keep looking for change, for a president to be elected who's going to fix it. Verses 3 and 4 says that this is folly. Now certainly governments and leaders have their place, called by God to those positions, placed in those positions by God, but their merely human power is not ultimately decisive in a world that God rules. And this brings us to verse 5, where, where we're juxtaposed, putting faith and trust in human leaders versus putting our faith in God. The psalmist says in verse 5, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. How do we know it makes sense to trust in God? Well, it's because he created everything. God has made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He truly is God. And hence, all hope and trust in him is fully validated. It's the right thing to do. He's the creator. It's his world. He, he placed it here by the word of his power. And it is, it is traveling along according to his plan, his sovereign plan, and it's going to reach an end that he has planned for it. God is completely in control of it. When it says here that God uh, made the heaven and earth the sea, you know, they, they always say that throughout the scriptures. God made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Why does it mention the sea? It's already said the heaven and earth. The sea is part of the earth. Now again, I might be reading a little too much into this, but I think it's a, a valid point, none the same. Uh, the sea, often in those cultures that surrounded Israel, was a place of chaos. It was a, a metaphor for chaos. Uh, a lot of superstition around the sea. And when Jesus went uh, walking out on the water and the disciples were struggling along in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, what did they think Jesus was? Well, they thought Jesus was a, a phantom. They thought he was a ghost. They, they some scary thing out in the ocean. It's because that kind of superstition was very, uh, was very common in those days and, and in the Old Testament times as well. Well, God is the God of this world. Even those parts that seem chaotic, even those parts that seem completely out of control, God is God of it all. He placed it there. And he's the God who, as it says there at the end of verse 6, keeps faith forever. You know, all of our candidates, no matter what, they're, uh, what position they're going for, they make many campaign promises. You know, we all have come to know what campaign promises mean. It's something to get you elected, but uh, often is they're not fulfilled promises. They're pipe dreams more than promises. But this is telling us that God, he always keeps his campaign promises. All of his promises, he always keeps. So to put faith in a human being who is going to die and all the plans that this human being has are going to perish with that person versus God who created everything, rules and reigns over everything, even the things that are chaotic and who never breaks a promise. I mean, you weigh those out. Yeah. It's not even close. Why would we place trust in, in a single human being? Why would we make it our 
life goal to get this person elected or that person elected. Now, yes, we ought to be involved, and, and certainly we need to speak up and, and exercise our right to vote and all that. But we need to not just stop there with that person. We need to look beyond that person to the God and pray for those, pray for all the candidates, pray for all those who are in positions, as we do. Well, he goes on and, and continues to describe the Lord for us. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He sets prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind, lifts up those who are bowed down, loves the righteous, watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and fatherless, the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. These words remind us of, of the words that Jesus spoke when he first began his ministry. Remember when he went into the synagogue and he went up to the front and he picks up the scroll and he reads the words from Isaiah 60, 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's our Messiah. And then when John the Baptist sent his associates to go ask if Jesus really was the Messiah, it says in Luke 7, they asked, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Our Messiah is Jesus. He is the one that we look to and trust in for all things. Then verse 10 says, The Lord will reign forever. Presidents only last a term or two. Kings don't last forever. Queen Elizabeth has gone on a long time. <laughs> but she's not going to last forever. 50, 60 years. But the Lord will reign forever. You know, America will come to an end. It's not a kingdom. It's not a, it's not a, 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 a nation that's going to last forever. But God's kingdom is going to last forever to all generations. And his kingdom has come. And is coming. And will come. And we are part of that kingdom. It's the church. And as citizens of that kingdom, as Paul tells us in Philippians, we need to, to live out, looking to our Messiah, how do we live in his kingdom while at the same time living in this world in the United States of America. How do we navigate through that? Well, how did Jesus deal with us? He, he came to us with truth and grace and his love, and he has died for our sins, and he saves us, and he gives us all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. He removes the curse of sin. Uh, he takes away the guilt of sin. He takes us out of bondage to sin. 
One day he will remove us from the presence of sin. He's done all this for us. And now we have the great privilege of taking that same message out into the world. To a world that's very divided. To, to people who on one side are weeping and one side are gloating. And we can go and... It's, it's the church. It's, it's God's kingdom that can heal and bring us together as a nation that transcends nations. That, that you know, the, God's kingdom isn't bound by any national boundaries. It goes out into all the world. We have this great love that we have received that we can share with the world. And boy, we need to hear that. People need to hear that who are hurting today, who are worried, many people who are in fear about what's coming and what's going to happen to them. C.S. Lewis said that as we read history, we find that the people who did the most for their present world also thought the most of the next world. Because they were heavenly minded, you know, sometimes people will say he's, he's so heavenly minded he's of no earthly good. But that's not true. If we are truly heavenly minded, we will be of the most earthly good. And we can go through history and see many examples of that. From the first Christians in Rome, when there were plagues, they served their fellow man by you know, reaching out to those who were dying when everyone else left. Christians stayed and helped the sick die with dignity, brought them into their homes. When people uh, abandoned girl babies in those days, they would throw them out on the, uh, on the garbage heaps because they only wanted boys, heirs. Christians would go and gather up the girls and save them. Uh, you go out even further along in history and you see people that God has raised up and, and made great change. William Wilberforce, you know, who put an end to slavery, the slave trade in England, uh, and many others. We could go along and on. Scientists, people who made a difference, who used their gifts and their callings in the world to share the, the message of the gospel and to show the love of Christ. But they did it being heavenly minded, looking to the Lord. So as we think about this election and, and um, you know, our reactions to it and uh, over-the-top reactions that we see on Facebook and everywhere else, may the Lord help us to, to, to bring the love of Christ to bear in these situations. May we point to Jesus uh, as the true King. And, and you know, how we do that is very varied depending upon our gifts and abilities. And wherever we are along that emotional spectrum, whether we're glad or sad about the outcome of the election, let us look beyond earthly kingdoms to God's kingdom. You know, you can look throughout the history of the world and you see kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Some good ones, some bad ones. But God's kingdom is forever. Scott Sauls wrote in, his, uh, in a blog post concerning these things, he said, and I think this is really great. If you are despairing over the outcome of this election, pause and exhale. We only need and we already have one Messiah, and he did not lose this election. And if you are breathing a deep sigh of relief over the outcome of this election, keep perspective, 
We only need, and we already have, one Messiah, and he did not win this election. He is still on his throne. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we serve him in our day. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for being our king. Lord, may we submit to you in all things. We, we pray, Lord, that, that you would give us perspective in life, that we wouldn't put our faith in this person or that person or this party or that party, but we would look to you and serve you and to do the things day in and day out that you have called us to do and, and called us to be. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord. Lord, we pray that, that we would not set all of our hope on being Americans, on living in this land and prospering in the here and now. We pray that we would, but Lord, we pray that most of all, we would prosper in your kingdom and that your kingdom would prosper here. Lord, we pray that all the gifts, all the, the graces, everything that you have bestowed upon us, we would bring that back to you and make it an offering with our lives, that we would be your followers, your representatives, your ambassadors here for hope and change because we know, Lord, that only hope and change truly can come from you. We look to you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.